I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and today I have with me Claudia Garbutt, all the way from Germany. She is a molecular biologist turned mindset coach for ambitious mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to shatter invisible ceilings and create more inner peace, income, and impact without sacrificing their health, relationships, or happiness. Welcome, Claudia. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and how, uh, how you became a molecular biologist turned mindset coach? I mean, you know, this is this this takes some explanationing. It does. Well, hello, and thank you so much for having me. And yeah, so this this story is a little bit like a, like a crisscross. So I I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I was never one of those people who knew exactly that they wanted to become an entrepreneur. So I really surprised myself here. <laughs> also, kind of ironic because. The thing that I hated most growing up was public speaking, especially in English. And here we are. So how did I get there? Well, after I finished university, all I wanted to do was this have this nice, comfortable job that was fulfilling, that paid well, and that left me enough time to enjoy my life. But guess what? As it turned out, it wasn't that easy to find a job like that. And I studied biology because I was driven by my curiosity. I wanted to understand how life works on every level. And this is still one of my major driving forces for my curiosity, I guess. But I've shifted my focus slightly. So I've had a couple of key experiences that slowly but steadily shifted my direction and my focus. So the first one was definitely when I got diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 28. And this pretty much turned my whole life upside down from one day to the next. And I still very clearly remember my first reaction to that diagnosis, which as strange as it may sound, was a sense of relief. And that was weird, right? Because at that point, I mean, who gets the diagnosis of a potentially deadly uh, illness and thinks, oh, who? <laughs> so... At that point in my life, I was just suffering from a major burnout and being sick finally gave me the break that I was looking for. And to understand that, you have to know that I grew up in a family where everyone was always busy and working very, very hard. And you didn't just take a break, you know, breaks were for the lazy, for the elderly, or well, for the sick. And so I finally had the right excuse <laughs> if you want to take a break without feeling guilty about it. At least if you want to call going through chemotherapy a break. And it sounds so weird when I say it out loud, but that's often the case when you talk about the things that hold us back from doing the sensible things, right? They make perfect sense in our heads, but when we actually talk about them, they sound ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I would have from like age seven, to 24, I would have died for a proper diagnosis. I would have, I would have been so happy 
that I got a proper diagnosis instead of, you know, the years of not knowing what the symptoms were, not knowing why they were, not knowing how to fix them. So I totally understand, you know, the, the sigh of relief when you actually know something is actually wrong with me. I'm not just making it up in my head. It's an actual thing. And now I can do something about that actual thing versus just, you know, throwing darts on a dartboard, trying to figure it out. So I totally get that, but yeah, yeah. chemo is probably not a lot of fun. No, it wasn't, it wasn't fun at all, but it made me aware of the pattern that I was stuck in. And I think probably for the first time in my entire life, I just really had the time to think about things. And I started to really question those beliefs that I grew up with. Like, was it really necessary to work 24 seven or is struggle noble? Or do I really have to fulfill everyone else's expectations? And it's just, when you have something like a near death experience, this changes a lot, right? Suddenly you start, start asking the right questions. The ones that are really important, like, do I like my life right now? Or do I like the direction in which I'm going? Or what would I actually, what would I regret, regret not having done if I died right now? And I realized that at that point in my life, my entire life was dominated by fear. And I was only making fear-based decisions. I was trying to avoid everything. I chose to stay in um, the familiar suffering, if you like, because I was just too afraid to face any new uncertainty. It felt like I couldn't take anymore. And so I stayed stuck right where I was, even though I wasn't happy with that. And that's when I decided that things really needed to change. And I was too young to die. And there were things in my life that I wanted to experience. And I, I wanted so many things. And today I've, I, I'm proud to say that I've accomplished most of these things that I wanted to do. So I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to find a loving relationship. I wanted to have a job that fulfills me, these kind of things. But it has been a real roller coaster getting there because realizing something and then actually changing, those are two totally different things. Yeah, I think the audience can, could relate to that. I think that, uh, that probably 99.99999% of all human beings have things that they absolutely know they should be doing and yet can't get themselves to do any of them. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to fall back into old habits, especially when you're stressed and you don't pay close attention. So I knew that at that point in my life, I, I needed to leave a toxic work environment. I needed to leave a toxic relationship. And I, I wanted to do, I wanted to find something that fulfilled me. So I, just for myself, I knew that in order to beat the cancer, I had to define those goals and I had to take action. And that's what I did. So as soon as I got out of the hospital, I started to, uh, well, slowly but surely um, break up that toxic relationship. So I left the toxic work environment and then I applied for a scholarship at the end of the world in New Zealand. So um I went to the other side of the world, I left everything behind and I basically started a new chapter in my life. But then it was still 
you can't leave yourself behind. And then when you get to that place and you think you have done so much, you get stressed again and you fall back into old habits. And that's what, that's basically what happened. And I think the next really defining moment for me came when I became a mom and I had my own kids because up to that point, I was basically okay with working 24 seven in a lab because I love biology. I'm very curious. I want to figure things out. That's, that's something that gives me joy, but I didn't want to have that kind of lifestyle for my family. I didn't want to be away all the time for my kids. And so I kind of needed to figure out what I could do instead. And I had no idea whatsoever what that could be because I, the only thing I knew was being a biologist and it was a huge part of my identity. I didn't know what else I could do. And I didn't even know what else I wanted to do because this was, this was who I am or who I was or you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah, what it's, I am. it's really hard to uh, to distinguish who we are from what we do. You know, like I, I noticed that when when you, anybody really introduces themselves, when you say, "Who are you?" I am a chiropractor. I am a um, you know therapist. I am a construction worker. It's never I am this. I am me who does this thing, right? It's always, I am that. So, you know, maybe that's part of what makes it so difficult to shift is the identity that, that you place within that, you know? Absolutely. It's like shedding uh, your old skin or like <laughs> something like that. It's, and you don't know you're vulnerable. You don't know what's coming next. It was, it was really, it was quite terrifying to be honest. And the conclusion I finally reached was that the best option for me would be to build my own online business because it allowed me to work flexible hours and I would be location independent. And because my husband is from New Zealand and we still, he still has all his family on that side of the planet and we moved back to Germany. So we were never quite sure where we would end up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just having this flexibility is huge. And then I've, I've tried a couple of different things online. And to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was probably experiencing every single mindset block that you can encounter. So from feeling like an imposter to the fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of judgment, perfectionism, and everything in between. But since I don't give up easily, I worked through all of them just one by one or as they came up and I also saw that so many other entrepreneurs they were struggling with the exact same issues that were coming up for me and so <laughs> I became a certified life coach and I learned different modalities to help others work through these mindset blocks too and finally it all fell into place when I found a way to incorporate my biology background into the mix and specialize in helping people or entrepreneurs in particular rewire their brain for more success in their life and business. That's when I felt that I had really found my true calling because now I can help people work through these issues on a physiology level as well as, as on a psychology level, leveraging the body-mind connection. So essentially, I can now combine my background in science with the 
psychology and self-development to help my clients overcome the, the fear and the worry and the self-doubt and the overwhelm so that they can become those confident CEOs and conscious creators of their dream lives that they want to be. That's, that's awesome. So let me ask you a few questions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in, in weird directions probably. So I'm just, just letting you know. That, that we might uh, go off on some interesting tangents, but biology of, say, a virus, mm-hmm. right? We've kind of gotten to the place where we, we've accepted in science that viruses are not alive. They're not living things. So how does a virus attack an immune system if it's not living? (laughs) Because most things that attack us are the things that are living. And have you heard the, the theory that viruses are all exosomes that are just part of our body anyway? And um, so I'm just kind of, I just wanted to, to, like I said, it's off on a little bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to, check to see what what your (laughs) thought is on that i've never heard of that and i've also never really thought about it so good question i think the way it works is because we all have like dna so so the genetic code works universally so if they if the virus attacks a cell it inserts its um uh, its genetic material and if it's active inside your cell, well, then it's translated into proteins and that starts a whole cascade. So it doesn't really have to be a living organism. But if you think about your genetic code as a book, it basically inserts a chapter into this book. And this is, <laughs> this is what's happening. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's just interesting because I think that people are, are in such a, a mode of fear these days because they don't understand because nobody is actually telling them the truth of what these things are. And so like, like mindset becomes this mindset of fear, this mindset of lack, this mindset of isolation, rather than a mindset of, I know what's happening and I know the kind of the timeline that it's going to take for this to go. And, you know, there's not, not a lot of logic going on with people, with, people's uh, experience of what's happening now, uh, including especially the news and media and all that stuff. And so I'm just kind of like, how do we match? Because we want to match the fear with reality, right? (laughs) And lack of fear with reality. So this is just a way to, to bring that mindset into the molecular biology a little bit and what's going on right now. Because you've had to pivot quite a bit, I think, since uh, this whole pandemic, right? Yeah, I've never worked with viruses. <laughs> I've worked with bacteria a lot. I've worked with um, human cell lines and animal cell lines and that kind of stuff. I've worked on projects that uh, were, d- so it was basic research. Or the last project I worked on was basic reach research into neurodegenerative diseases and figuring out what's going on uh, in diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and that kind of stuff. So that was more than my area of research. 
or um, medical interactions between medic, um, different uh, medicines. So if you have an adverse drug reaction between different um, drugs, that kind of thing. So it was quite a shift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you've moved into this world of, uh, as we talked about earlier, homeschooling your kids and doing this online thing. So give us kind of like, what's been your year like in a nutshell? Like what, what's, what's this transition look like? And then what is the mindset that you had to have in order to do this whole mess without like pulling your hair out? Cause you already had the chemo. So, you know, you didn't want the hair out. So I just, how did, how did you get through all of this with a mindset that, um, that you have, which is so positive. And, and I mean, you know, anybody who's talking to you or watching this right now can see in your eyes, the amount of joy that you exude in what you're doing. So. Good question. So I think when it all started last year, I was exactly at the point where I had just figured out exactly what I wanted to do. And it all felt like it, I had finally found what I wanted to do. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, is it, is it wise to start all this right now at this point in time? And then I thought, well, what do I have to lose? <laughs> There's nothing I have to lose. So why not, go, why not go for it? And the last year has been really, really crazy because we also started a huge side project. So a friend of us and so my husband and a friend of us together, we bought this huge, um, well, three-story house. It's an old house. And we've been remodeling uh, to turn it into three flats. Well, anyway, it's a huge project, a huge renovation project. And it all happened at the same time. So we started homeschooling. We started this building project on the side. I started building my business. And then I also started building my podcast. So it was all happening at the same time. And had you asked me before if it was possible to do all that while at the same time still go for a run every day have some time to like alone time for my sanity I would have said no way but then I found a way to just incorporate all those things and set the boundaries and it worked quite beautifully so unlike in previous times where I worked so hard that I finally reached that rock bottom burnout this time it felt aligned and it felt I felt full of joy and it was it was an it was nice <laughs> I don't know how to say it other than that but it was really a nice journey I still had some days where I felt overwhelmed of course and then I had just had to take a few days off but in general I I didn't feel overwhelmed anymore I, I was able to make a plan to stick to that plan to work through the action steps and to just roll with the punches. <laughs> so, so what you said here is something that, that I think people tend to miss, which is I made a plan first and then I did not get overwhelmed because I had a plan and I was doing the plan, right? Yeah. How many people do you know that make a that don't make the plan they just are doing their random things and are getting so overwhelmed because they have no plan yeah a lot of people 
but probably a lot of your clients, right? Yeah, a, a lot of people do it like that. But then that said, even if you have a plan, often you only have like the first steps of your plan figured out because then it can just take it any direction because it doesn't always go according to plan, right? So I think I wouldn't. So the, the big message I want to share here is don't be discouraged if you don't have it all figured out and you don't have a plan that takes you from A to Z in, you know, all the little action steps. Sometimes you just have to know the direction and get started and know the first steps and then you, you will figure it out along the way. Yeah, that's true. I, I tend to, um, I tend to like to do planning from the end to the beginning. You know, that that's kind of my my style for it. And I my clients, I tell all the time, you know, where where do you want to be in 10 years? What's the life that you want to lead? What's the what's the day to day experience that you want to have? And then you just reverse engineer that and create the, the business that wraps itself around the life you want versus trying to wrap your life around the business that you have. <laughs> or the work or job that you have, right? So what are some tips and tricks that you have for, for getting into a pivot mindset where, um, you know, the next time, let's say something happens that completely screws the entire universe up, um, you know, the, the people listening to this will be able, will be like so far beyond because they've created a new tomorrow and, um, and so what, what suggestions would you have for them in how to change their mindset to be ready for pivot, for change, for uncomfortability? I guess one of the most important questions you can ask yourself is just, where's the opportunity in this? So what ap whatever happens to you, just keep asking yourself, where is the opportunity or what can I learn from this? And when you approach any kind of situations from that kind of mindset, you will find the opportunities and you will find a way to deal with the situation from a place of calm and relaxation instead of getting completely overwhelmed and spinning into the worst case scenarios that just keep you like, ah! <laughs> send you straight into survival mode. So it's, this is what I found to be really helpful. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're doing these days in order to, to help the world and benefit your clients. I mean, you know, obviously this show is all about creating a new tomorrow. So tips, tricks, and, and specialties is, is kind of what we do at the end. But what is it that, that you're doing to create a new tomorrow for not just you, but your family and, and your community? Uh, I know that, that, you said Germany is still pretty locked down, which is kind of odd in my head because I've always known Germany to be so far advanced in the medical world uh, in innovation and discovery and research and so on. So what is, what's going on with that? <laughs> what's going on with Germany? Well, I, I think the people are getting tired of the lockdown. I think that's something that that increases the problem or makes it bigger at the moment because we've been in the lockdown for I think the last three months 
and four months last year. So people are st really starting to feel the effect of the lockdown, especially all the small businesses that have to stay closed all the time. And for those, sometimes they feel like they don't have an alternative. They, they need to open the businesses or else their business dies. So I think at the moment, this, this probably prevents a lot of people to do the sensible thing and stay at home and follow the directions. And maybe that's why we still have all those high numbers at the moment. And then we also have the mutations. I mean, the mutations are more contagious um, than the original strain. So this is also exacerbating the, the problem at the moment. But your, your, your first question was what I do to, to, to help everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> what I'm trying to do is just to spread a message of hope and to, to tell people to, to, to seek the control that they can find right now. This, does that make sense? So to, to really feel into where in their lives right now they can feel in control. Because if you can feel, control, feel in control in one area of your life, it's easier to accept the uncertainty in other areas because if you feel uncertain and out of control in all the areas of your life, this is very hard <laughs> and it will be pretty miserable. So Yeah, it could be a miserable existence and overwhelming as well. Yeah, and you feel powerless. And when you feel powerless, you give up hope. And then you don't do the things that you know you should be doing. And this all leads into this downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want to avoid. Okay, so you have goals you want to help people with. Live happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives, right? Mm -hmm. So what is... If you could sum up in a sentence or two what you have found to be the answer for living a help, happy, healthy, fulfilling life, what would be the answer? If you could sum it up in just one answer. Sure, why not? <laughs> I figure we make it easy for you today. A question to the answer of the universe in just one sentence. Yeah, no, what I think is really important and what most people or most people I've talked to don't really understand is how the body and the mind are connected and that your thoughts influence your body on a deep physiological level. All your experiences influence your body and also the other way around. So this is a two-way street. The communication between the mind and the body is a two-way street. Whatever you do to your body, you do to your mind and what you do to your mind, you do to your body. And this is something that you can harness to get into a positive upward spiral where you live happy and healthy and in alignment. Or it can also trip you up and you go down this downward spiral where you, um, you live in despair and you, you don't look after your body. And then it just goes into this downward spiral and you end up miserable. So this is something very important to understand. So understanding that is one thing and doing something about it is completely different, right? That's right. <laughs> so so we, we kind of know that 
human beings get stuck in their comfort zone, even if their comfort zone is really uncomfortable. Meaning if you get stuck in a habit like smoking and you get end up getting cancer, right? You, you don't quit smoking because the, the habit, the comfort of having that drag is too much mm-hmm. compared to the not having of it, right? The comfort that you know, the pain of what comfort you know versus the joy of what comfort you don't know is, is greater. <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> greater than the value of, uh, of a person's mind, right? So they'd rather eat the fast food knowing that it's not going to be healthy for them, knowing that it's not going to make them feel better, right? But it's fast, so it's comfortable. So they know that it's available immediately whenever they want it. So that's a comfort, right? But you may not know how to cook, but you may know that cooking your food from scratch is the best way to get healthy, right? So learning to cook would be outside of the comfort zone too far for some people to shift their behavior. And that's just an interesting thing to me because uh, I have a TED talk that I've been writing called The Psychology of Submission, Why We Act Against Our Own Self-Interest. And, um, and it's why we let the bullies win. And so, I, you know, as a, a mindset person and, and so forth, combined with the biology, because I happen to know about chemistry in my brain and how hormones and biology affects my mood, my actions, my decision-making, all that stuff. So how can we get people's mindset in alignment with their eating and behavior and lifestyle versus getting the mindset into a quick, fast food, you know, easy, whatever mode that we're in right now? How do we change that back? <laughs> Good question. Again, one that can cure the world, right? So I think it comes back to something we talked earlier about, to make a plan and to follow that plan. And so we often, um, this is just a common human bias where we, where we, um, we focus on the short-term benefit versus the long-term consequences. And to shift that, we have to make a plan based on those long-term consequences that we either want to achieve or to avoid. So when we start with that in mind, again, we can go back and define the steps that we should take. And then to start that new habit, we have to make really, or have to create really, really small steps, initial steps that get the habit going. We want to make those first initial steps as easy and as enjoyable as possible. So if you decide you want to do more exercise and you start by running a marathon, you're not going to stick with that. But if you decide you need more exercise and the first thing or the the tiny initial step that you do is you go for a 15 minute walk, then it's something that's easy to do. Uh, You might enjoy it. You can listen to the birds. You can enjoy the sunshine. You make it easy. You make it enjoyable. And you you give it a time and a space. So you define it as, for example, the first thing you do in the morning. So you create a routine around it. 
And that's how you can shift and you can build on those tiny action steps and build a habit around it. Right. So how do you create a routine if uh, your if your current routine, like around morning, for instance, if your current routine is the alarm goes off and the snooze button gets gets hit? <laughs> you put uh, the, you put yeah. the alarm away. Take put it out of the room. Right. <laughs> you have to engineer around the behavior that you know you default to. If you know you hit the snooze button, then put the, the alarm clock away where you can't reach it immediately, where you have to get out of bed to reach it, or even in, into the next room if that's not enough, because then you force yourself to get up and turn it off. And once you got up, you don't go back to bed. You stay up. Yeah, you know, for a long time, I was uh, I had this this routine where I would wake up and it didn't matter if I was ready to get up or not. If I woke up and opened my eyes and I cheated a little bit waking up and not opening my eyes, but I had I had this thing. So I if I woke if I opened my eyes, then I would walk upstairs and I would get in my infrared sauna and I would fall back asleep for another hour while I was in the sauna heating up. Right. And then I'd wake up and go take a shower and then I'd be awake. <laughs> so it was my way of, of, uh, of being able to start that morning routine. Right. And in a positive way. Uh, and when I was sleeping in the sauna, I would have on the binaural beats and isochronic tones and solfeggio frequencies and, you know, motivation and programming and Jim Rohn and stuff like that. So it would, program my brain in my sleep, but uh, <laughs> in my half sleep. But, you know, anybody can create a routine that they actually like, right? So one of the things that I think people get turned off by is that all of the people who are telling them to make routines, especially morning routines, tell them how they do it. And, you know, the person says, well, I can't do it like you do it. Like, if you were Mark Wahlberg with your morning routine, waking up at three in the clock in the morning to exercise for two plus hours and, you know, pump iron, that would, that would hit like maybe 10% of the population, <laughs> right? The other 20% would go, ah, uh, no, uh-uh, that's, that, that's sleeping time, right? So doing routines that are designed individually for you and your personality and your way of being is, is kind of the way that, that I've always suggested, I, like, don't do my routine, mm -hmm. right? Don't do anybody else's routine, just do you, <laughs> but make it, make it the best version of you, right? Absolutely. I completely agree. I think everyone is unique. We all have unique experiences we have our needs we we know we have our likes our dislikes so if someone tells me they don't like to go running i wouldn't suggest they they integrate running into their daily routine i would tell them to find something that brings them joy and replaces running so it doesn't have to be my way <laughs> cool so what kinds of things, like, I know that, that we had a limited conversation today. I could probably talk to you for another few hours. And I think we're going to be doing a, uh, a summit together. So, you know, at some point, the audience, you know, just tune in. We're, we're going to do some cool stuff. So um, tips, tricks, 
and things. And then any last things that you really, really, really want the audience to get so that they can start creating their new tomorrow today? Something that I've personally found to be very, very helpful and that I've resisted for years before I finally tried it was doing breathing techniques. I hated it in the beginning. I had such a huge resistance around it. But when I finally started doing it, I had, it was a major breakthrough because it finally allowed me to go deeper into my own physiology and fight all that overwhelm. So you go into the parasympathetic nervous system, you can activate it, you can get out of that constant fight or flight. So if for anyone who's listening and who hasn't tried it yet, give it a go, even though you don't feel like it. And give it a fair shot, which means don't do it just once or twice and then decide it's not for you. Try it for a couple of weeks at least and see how you feel after that. Because for me, it really changed a lot. So that would definitely be my recommendation. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm about to record. I had a, a power breathing 15-minute exercise routine. And mm. um, you're, you're, the only thing you're exercising is your breath. But I wrote it after finding out that uh, 80% of all fat loss happens in your breath, in your expiration, not in your pee, not in your poop, not in your sweat. 80% of all fat loss comes from breathing out fat. Kind of weird, huh? It's a long chain thing that turns into breath that when you breathe deep and heavy and hard, it's a better fat loss workout than building muscle that way and lifting nice. weights. It's kind of, kind of crazy. So I've, I've, been writing this, uh, I, I have this written, I'm going to video it and create a, a video training with this 15 minute power breathing workout, because breathing is so, so important. And, you know, for anybody who's listening on YouTube, on pretty much anywhere, you could go and look up dragon breath or Kundalini breath, or, you know, breathing techniques, breathing for exercise. I remember even when I was a kid, there came out an infomercial when I was a kid that was a breathing weight loss, you know, program. Yeah. Kind of fascinating. So awesome. Breath techniques. Anything else? Uh, shadow work. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, Google it. It's going to be your friend. <laughs> shadow work. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I like to do mirror work. Uh, I think you and I talked about that before, but um, mirror work is is basically bringing light to a shadow, you know, mm -hmm. to your darkness, to to the person that you thought you were, but not the person that's in those eyeballs. So when you stare in the mirror at those eyeballs of yours, it's really difficult. I've had so many people, they can't do it. Absolutely cannot look at themselves in the mirror in any kind of meaningful way, meaning they could go walk in front of the mirror or look at their makeup or hair or whatever. But looking in their eyeballs is been, I've found one of the most frightening things for people to do, to deeply to look into yourself. Mm. And, uh, and so 
that to me is, is one form of shadow work, right? That you're describing is, is just looking in your own eyeballs and trying to find, well, not even trying, finding all of the places that you love about yourself, however long it takes and however many things and masks you have to get out of the way while you're doing it, right? That sounds great. Yeah, I've found that analyzing what triggers you, so more like the dark side of the shadow, what triggers you in others, that is something that I have found to be really interesting and really helpful because <laughs> those are the things that are resonating with us on a deep emotional level. And that means we have some sort of attachment to them. And exploring that has been really interesting. Also exploring what inspires me in other people to see it as the potential that's also hidden inside myself for example and that's maybe why I started a podcast despite hating public speaking <laughs> so it's always been this kind of self-discovery journey yeah you know one of the things that that I've always told people is how many questions do you have How many, how many times do you question the things that are happening in the world? How many times do you question the things that are happening up in here in your brain? You know, if, if you're passing a thought, a thought through your head, do you analyze it? Do you question it? Do you ask if that's true? You know, if somebody is having this negative self-talk, which we all know happens quite a lot, um, have you asked yourself if that's true? Have you just asked the question, is this true about me? And really got real with yourself about it. Because that to me is, uh, is so, so important with shadow work and with the, the things that you're talking about. Anything else that you'd like to share? We, we're going to wrap this up because I know you've got to go. But uh, um, anything else that you'd like to, to quickly share? Anything that you're doing in the world that uh, you'd like to share with people? Well, maybe the last thing uh, I like to share today is if it scares you, it might be a good thing to try. <laughs> I can't remember who said that, but I've found that to be very, very true. If it scares you, it might be a good thing to try because it gets you outside of your current comfort zone. And when you get outside of your current comfort zone, great things happen because if you keep keep being stuck in, inside that zone and you keep doing what you've been doing all the time, you you will keep getting what you've always gotten. And that might not be what you want to get. So if you want to change that, try the things that scare you. Awesome. Awesome. How can people get a hold of you if they'd like to, to learn more? And they can find me or they can find my website, which is www.wiredforsuccess.solutions, or they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Awesome. Wired for success solutions. Dot solutions. Yeah. Dot solutions. Okay. Wired for success dot solutions. If anybody would like to learn more about Claudia, I highly suggest that you connect with her molecular biologist turned mindset coach. I mean, how, how can it get any better than that? Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate all the value you've given to the audience today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. 
This has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and I look forward to seeing all of you create a new tomorrow today and activate your vision for a better world. Peace and love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.